Yeah, so this has been, I said in the first talk that I felt um, it was exhilarating and overwhelming to see so many people that I admired and loved from all around the world in one place. Uh, and I was right, I am now utterly exhilarated and utterly overwhelmed. Um, and I have, still haven't spoken to half of the people I'd like to speak to. Uh, but in this, in this conference, we've mainly focused on, you know, what sort of changes could you make to your life now? What sort of things could you do now? We've been focused on the present. And just in this talk over the next 15, 20 minutes, I just want to talk a little bit more about the future. Where the hell is all of this going? And in particular, I just think the future that we're aiming towards is a world where a significant share of all the leaders of at least the Western world are dedicating their lives to maximizing happiness and minimizing suffering. They've either come through effective altruism or heard about effective altruism. And they're now thinking, how can I use my life to do as much good as possible? But not only that, they're all connected. We're all in a great network all around the world, all wanting to help each other as much as possible um, to solve some of the big problems in the world. Because many of the problems in the world stem from a lack of coordination. I mean, an example of great success in this regard already is uh, you might know about the campaign against the Stop Online Piracy Act. Um, that was when Google and many other websites um, censored their own home screens. XKCD did it as well. Because there was this bill that wanted to get passed that would have broken the internet. It would have meant that the U US government could have just arbitrarily shut down almost any web page. But not a lot of people know how that came, campaign came to be. And it was actually started with Peter Eckersley, uh, who's not here but is um, part of the EA community, working at the Electronic Frontiers Foundation. And one of the things he was doing was just going through new policy um, proposals in the US government. And so right at the bottom of one policy proposal that was uh, about something completely different, this little clause that he realized would have absolutely massive ramifications. And he didn't really have the position to do anything about it, but he knew people who could, so he phoned Aaron Swartz um, and conveyed how important this was. Aaron was completely convinced, um, set up a website called Demand Progress. Within a week, they'd already got a million um, people supporting this cause. Within a few months, they managed to get all of these giant companies uh, to censor their um, websites in protest against this really awful bit of policy that was going to go through. Um, and so via having this amazing network of people, they were able to institute amazing radical change in a very tight time frame and address a problem that came up. And I'd like to see that on a much larger scale affected by the effective altruism community. I like, I'd like to think that we could address problems in the same way that you might address you know, someone spilling a glass of water at a party. So imagine you're at a dinner party and someone just knocks over the glass of water that goes on the floor. It's not like people suddenly break into arguments about, well, do we really have an obligation to clean up this water? Who's going to do it? It wasn't my fault. You messed it out, knocked it over. Um, unless it's Christmas at my house. That's, uh, <laughs> um, no, even in my house. You'd auto you just automatically say, wow, there's a problem here. We've got to solve it. Everyone would know exactly what to do. And that's exactly like I'd see like to see a bit large. As the people in this room who are... Um, you know, we're, norm we're all pretty young, but we're very smart, we're very ambitious, we want to do a lot of good. As we're taking positions with more and more influence, I want us to stay connected so that we can start to solve some of the big coordination problems um, that lead to some of the big social problems in the world.
So kind of in this vision, in this um, idea of what I'd like the community to turn into and grow into, I'd really like us as well to have as a real virtue the ability to change your mind, to radically swivel. And one thing that could have uh, been a case of this but wasn't was the recent reanalysis of the Miguel and Kramer paper on deworming. So it turned out the, the real analysis um, actually wasn't that great, didn't change the case for it very much. But supposing it had, supposing it had just gone through the original research and shown that actually well, there were just these fundamental mistakes and the case that we thought for deworming was no longer there. What I'd love to see is a world where someone would just say, okay, well, we were wrong about that, let's completely change. Maybe deworm the world changes its page to just go to againstmalariafoundation.com or something. <laughs> Um, obviously, that's not the case for deworming is as strong as ever, just to be clear. But, uh, but if it suddenly we discovered that one of the things we've been really championing, I just love us to be able to update on that and change very quickly. And that's a very unusual thing for people to do. But I think it's something that we want to be able to praise. We want to be able to say, yeah, if you're doing that, this is this amazing thing. This is incredibly exciting. So I think we have a pretty bold vision. Um, you know, I think that we can become one of the major social movements of our generation. Um, I really think we're at the start of something that could be extraordinarily big. Um, again, I'm quoting famous people. That was Peter Thiel a couple of years ago. Um, so I think we can be at the start of something extraordinarily big. And I think the progress that we've made over the last year um, already gives us ground for optimism there. But I think we shouldn't be too cocky, not just yet. Just if we've got even the mildest hint of an outside view, then we should think that there's a very serious risk that this is all going to go to pot. It's all going to fail. Uh, most startups fail. Most social movements wither. Um, and so we should be utterly um, ruthless to ensure that we're not making any sort of big mistakes that could mean that we lose most of the potential value from this community. And when I think about that, when I think about what are the big ways in which we, the effective altruism movement could lose most of its value, uh, I think of four main risks. So one is conflict, the second is ossification, third is dilution, and the fourth is culture. And I'll go through each of these. So the first is conflict is the most obvious one. And when you look at why startup companies fail, the most common reason is not because they get outcompeted, it's just because the founders break up. They, uh, they no longer get on and they can no longer work together. And there's an obvious risk with the effect of altruism community as well, where in terms of the causes we're interested in, in terms of where we're located, there's a remarkably diverse set of views. And this obviously causes risks that people could start to clash. And we've seen that in the past. Um, when people have been having similar plans that would require coordination, but they've been in different geographical locations, then there's been conflict. I even got into an argument with Mark Lee. And if any of you know Mark Lee, he's like the most easygoing guy in the world. Um, it's, uh, but it shows that if you've got a low amount of communication, a low amount of bandwidth between different groups, um, then you can get that sort of conflict. And this is crucial because if we are aiming for this vision where we're really in positions of influence, well, we all need to be able to work together. If we fragment, then there's going to be no EA movement. We're not going to be able to achieve what we want to achieve. And so that means you might be thinking, oh, wow, I've met so many great people, but I've got to get back to work. I've got to be doing my thing. I don't have time to stay in touch with them as friends. That's a mistake. The most important thing you can do of all is to keep in touch with people and stay friends with people who are working on different causes, who are doing things all around, um, in other places all around the world. 
the second big thing, I think, is what I'd call ossification. So this is the idea that maybe the movement could just freeze or um, get too locked down into specific ideas or specific ways of doing things, perhaps into specific causes. Uh, so in you know, last year, there was a lot of talk about these are the key focus areas, poverty, animals, uh, catastrophic risks. And I think we should think of ourselves as broader than that. So we shouldn't just think, uh, you know, I'm an animal EA or I'm a, a global poverty EA. Instead, we should just be thinking, I'm an effective altruist. That means trying to do the most good, whatever that means. And maybe I think this thing's currently the best, but that's always provisional. Uh, and I think that's crucial um, because we're always learning. New opportunities are always arising. The world is always changing, and we're always getting better evidence. So Henry Ford made this kind of joke that if he'd asked people at the time um, what they'd want in terms of being able to move around, they'd have said, oh, a faster horse. They wouldn't have said a car, because we wouldn't have even thought of that. And the same is true for us. You might think, oh, this cause, you know, poverty or global catastrophic risks, it's the most important thing. But is it really so likely that we figured out the most important thing that humanity could be doing now? Like we figured it out in the last 10 years? It's kind of unlikely. I think we want, need to be constantly figuring, trying to um, work out where could we be going wrong? Um, what are the most important causes? And that's why I'd like us to see people exploring other causes as well, including things that are less represented. Uh, and this is why I think the work that Open Philanthropy Project has been doing is so important, because they're highlighting causes like open science and immigration reform and criminal justice reform, macroeconomic policy, things that aren't that well represented by the current community, even though we think they're quite important. Similarly for the diversity of careers as well. I mean, I think the standard routes of like earning to give or working for the effective altruist organizations are terrific, but I'd love to see more people going into politics, policy, trying for-profit companies as well. So that when we are maturing, we have people represented in all sorts of um, different areas of the world. Because having just that one extra person in journalism or some area of research we didn't know about, when that's embedded in a wider community, that's exceptionally valuable. The third risk then, I think, um, is dilution. And this is a very obvious thing, um, very obvious way in which the effective altruism movement could start to lose a lot of its value. Um, and I think this has happened for things like um, environmentalism or sustainability. Sustainability, I think, means very little now. When you say, I'm, I care a lot about this, it doesn't have much weight. And the same again could happen with effective altruism. Um, I think it would be a really bad outcome if people started to say, oh, well, I give $5 to some big name uh, development charity a month, and that makes me an effective altruist. I think that would be a big risk indeed, um, but I think it's something that may well happen, and may well happen if we don't uh, take steps to guard against it. Because again, if we're going to be in this position of really big influence in uh, 10, 15 years' time, it has to be people that are actually committed, people who are actually trying to do as much good as they can rather than just uh, you know, giving, paying lip service to this idea of effective altruism. And that means, I think, being um, demonstrating in your own case just the kind of radical life changes you're making, the ways in which you're changing your mind and changing your behavior. And then also potentially um, being wary of people or um, being cautious about people who then want to start saying, like, oh, and this is effective altruism too, and maybe being willing to say, well, actually, this is exactly what it means. Um, and this is great, but then it's not um, 
quite at the level of what we're talking about, not quite what this movement's about. Uh, and that maybe takes us to the fourth um, way in which uh, I think the effective altruism movement could potentially lose so much of its value uh, because it's the kind of flip side. So I think if we're going to be in this position of major influence, we've got to have people who are around for the long term and we've got to grow and we've got to have a community that people really love to be in. And uh, that means uh, having a culture and having, that's really warm, really welcoming, where people join and they think, whoa, this is the most amazing, exciting, um, friendly group of people I've ever met. Um, and again, I think in the past, there's been times where maybe people have got involved and then um, not had the best experience and then maybe been a little bit turned off the ideas. And I think obviously that's a, like, that's a terrible shame. We shouldn't want that ever to happen. And I think partly we need to bear in mind that if you go around kind of championing the ideas of effective altruism, you're no longer just acting as yourself. You're acting as a member of a much larger community. And so if you say something, then that means that people will easily attribute that to the wider movement. Uh, so if you act like, um, you know, you act like an asshole at a party or online or something, it's not just that the person will think, whoa, that guy was an asshole, Will McCaskill. Um, <laughs> speaking from experience. Uh, but instead, they'll think, wow, EAs are assholes. Um, because you're now carrying this barrier, banner around. And what's more, that's not just something that will stay around for a little bit. We're at the very early stages of something that's going to be very big. And the stories we tell now, the sort of culture we have now, um, the things that effective altruism get known for, they're going to stick around. And I've certainly found this in ways that just really surprised me and mistakes I've made in the past. So promoting earning to give very heavily, using simple replaceability arguments, leading and focusing on just simple randomized control back charities. At the time, I was thinking, well, this is just an illustration. These are just an easy way of getting people into these ideas. And then as my um, kind of views evolve, or I think, oh, maybe we should start uh, talking about a much wider array of things so that people don't get confused. Well, it's still the case that people get really confused and these things stick for years and in fact people will have very simplistic understandings of what effective altruism is. And so the stories that we're telling, the ways we're acting now, these are not just going to affect the next few months but they actually start to shape what effective altruism is. So as I said, I think we've got enormous potential. I think this is one of the densest um, ag aggregations of exceptionally talented and exceptionally socially motivated people. Um, I think, I guess, that I've ever seen. And so we have enormous potential to make huge progress on some of the really big problems in the world. But we need to really think about what are these big ways in which we could lose all of the, all of the value that might come from the effective altruism community. And we want to be really proactive about ensuring that we mitigate that as much as possible, invest time in ensuring that we have this very stable, very robust, and very exciting and warm and welcoming community. So I think on the basis of all that we've achieved in the last year and what we've achieved even just over the last couple of days, we really have grounds for amazing optimism. So I think we should be ext extremely excited, but at the same time, uh, let's not get cocky. <laughs> and so I think the most important thing as ever is just to follow the mantra, two-step process. Number one, figure out how to do the most good. Number two, do it. Thank you. <laughs>